When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golik and Smitty. I'm Mike Golik. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to our 1,000th edition of Golik and Smetty. I'm Mike Golik Sr. She is Jess Smetana. Just tons going on in the world of sports. Tons. But you said a couple of magic words to me before we started uh, this pod that you baked something. So everything else can be put on hold. All is set aside till I know what you baked. And hopefully it did not involve fruit or a compost product of fruit. Stop it. Of course it did. Come on, Jess. Mike, you're not even here. I'm not going to bend to your will. When you're not even going to get a slice of what all I'm right, making. You know what? I, I, that's understandable. understandable. My friends all loved it. I made on Thursday night, um, it's fig season, a short but sweet season for fruit. Uh, I made a fig tart. It was so good. And then I had a leftover crust. So I made a Bakewell tart on Sunday. And the Bakewell tart is something that I've, I only know what it is because of the Great British Bake Off. It's like a layer of jam and then like a cake layer on top inside a, a pastry crust. And it was mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. It was so good. I just now. I think you would have liked it. Because when you say fig, I think of let you crumble up fig Newtons and put it in a, a, a pan. So mu- No, so much better than that. Fig better Newtons. That. Fig Newtons. I, I used to really like fig Newtons. Oh, don't tell me you don't like fig Newtons. They gross me out now. Really? Something about it like. Maybe they've changed or maybe I've changed, but I don't feel the same way that I used to about that. Do you feel your palate has changed over the years? Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. I I love spicy food now. I love sort of like weirder things, like more, you know, tinned fish. I eat a lot of tinned fish now. Things like anchovies. What kind of fish? Like sardines, mackerel, like things in a tin. I, oh, oh, tin. I love sardines out of a tin. The tin I love them. Anchovies? Oh, I love anchovies. I don't like anchovies, but I love sardines. Okay. Um, Would not have eaten that 20 years ago. Yeah. So yes, certainly, I think I have a more refined palate now and things. I actually was talking about this on the Levitard show the other day. Mike, did you ever have like a Chipotle phase or? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I, I definitely, I mean, you live in South Bend most of the year. I went to school there. There's a Chipotle on Eddie Street that yes, there is. I spent a lot of time and money at. It is like the most, I think if you go to Notre Dame, there's like three places that will always be I was going to say, where, where, where did you go the most? What, what, what are those? I mean, those? it's like the Grotto, yes. the Golden Dome, the yep. main building, and then Chipotle. So you like, think Chipotle always... was, was the most 
visited because there's that. There's Five Guys. There's Blaze. Definitely, Pizza. Chipotle used to have a insane line out. I don't know if it still does, but if you went to Chipotle, it didn't matter what time it was. There was always an insane line out the door. You'd have to wait like thirty minutes. All right, so we don't. I don't see that a lot, as you said. I'm here six months. Well, maybe there's more options now. Well, yeah, but. I know there's like a Portillo's there now. Things have changed oh, Portillo. in the greater There Michigan is still area. nothing better to me than uh, Portillo's cake shake. How so they, how they get the bits of yeah, cake into a shake, I have no idea. And it moves through the straw incredibly well. I, it's magic to me, but it's a beautiful thing. So I got to ask, because you do put fruit and compote in yeah. your in your baking. When you, we now we never got to hook up at, at a... Um, a tailgate when you were out when you're out here for no Ohio service. State. Get it together, it, Notre Dame. I know. Get, it, get a cell tower. But you on. said you had goodies for me. So what were they? Mm -hmm. It was those were pumpkin blondies. Oh, so like wow. Yeah. You would and like chocolate chips, oh. no fruit, just sugar. Uh, do you like pecans or pecans yeah, in it? I'll do. That yeah. is one thing I, think you would I like have it. grown on talking about changing palates. I do uh, eat nuts more, all all of them, all the different kind. Put them in my oatmeal, and I'll eat them by the handful now. Very I, healthy, I very good yes, for you. Yes, I well, have learned that. My point about Chipotle that I would like to finish before we move on to more important things, I think I think either I've changed or Chipotle's changed because I used to think that Chipotle was like the height of gourmet flavor, and <sighs> it was so good. The quality was amazing. It tasted great. It was always fresh. This is your 18 to 21 year old palate, yeah, huh? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly my point. And now I can't, I can't even really? fathom eating it. Like it grosses. I think I might've also just had too much. Like I right, was right. a diehard Chipotle eater. Like I used to go, like I, this was like in the era where Chipotle used to hand out those like cards to athletes where you could get free Chipotle anytime. Like I thought that that was the biggest perk in all of the world was like you get the free chipotle burrito card like i would have preferred to have that than win mega millions because it was to me like the height of fame was like you can get you can walk into chipotle and get it for free but i can't fathom eating chipotle now i i went to chipotle during their like norovirus like scandal where everyone was going there and getting norovirus i still went i couldn't quit it and now I just can't imagine. Really? So you don't eat it at all now? You don't, you don't. And I, I know I'm not alone because there was a TikTok about it, Mike. And TikTok oh. validates all of my thoughts and feelings. There was a TikTok so about it. Studious. It's something either I've changed, Chipotle has changed. Maybe we've both changed, but I've moved on. Has Maybe TikTok has changed you. TikTok has changed me in more ways than I could count. All, all negative. I was just going to say, <laughs> at the end of the day, would it be better to just delete the app and be done with it? You know, you know what's been happening on TikTok lately, Mike? No, I no, I don't. Yes, back to I, I do college not. football. Yeah. So this happened last year with Joe Burrow. Uh, a lot of people on TikTok started posting videos about Joe Burrow, including the NFL's own account, acknowledging that he was a good-looking, attractive man. And people posted like slow-mo videos of him. People got really, really into Joe Burrow, and a lot of people were like, "Wow, who is this guy?" Kind of like discovering Joe Burrow right. through TikTok. That has happened in the last week with Notre Dame's quarterback, Sam Hartman. I cannot go on that app without seeing three TikToks in a row of Sam Hartman putting his helmet on, shaking his long hair out, like putting his hand through his hair. It is everywhere, Mike. 
Oh, he's sexy Jesus. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just what he is. I mean, it's uh, and the internet's caught on now. I mean, it, it's remarkable. So, answer me this: as we as we transfer into the NFL, and we could talk about Joe Burrows. We're in the quarter poll about worst teams in the league, and they're sitting at one and three and not playing well. But yeah, not what good. has TikTok had to say? Because I don't know what's real and what's not with the whole Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift mm. thing from the standpoint of. Because because I see things on the internet that that are fake of tw- Swifties not knowing anything about football. Is that real? Is that fake? Is it they don't they don't really know? One of the most popular things out there is these women saying to their husbands, "Oh, did you see t- Taylor Swift is putting Travis Kelsey on the map?" Now I know that's a joke, but how much is there of Swifties that didn't have a damn clue who Travis Kelsey is, and now they're watching football games? That's a good question. And it's impossible to tell. I will say, and people who listen to this show maybe won't believe it, but there are more Taylor Swift fans than there are NFL fans. And you're, Just, you're so right. They won't believe that. And it's so And it's true. very true. Yes. By every metric, yes. more people engage in Taylor Swift than they do in the NFL. So it would not surprise me in the slightest if there's a large swath of people that are now finding out about how kind of silly and stupid, like not just the NFL, but the rules of football are because it's a very silly sport if you're just coming to it for the first time. Like, why are there four downs? I don't know. You, why why can't two players be in motion? I just, it doesn't yeah, matter. Well, just well, you're right. When you that. kind of drop down on it and tell the rules to somebody who's <laughs> never seen it, uh, they, they have no idea. There was one, and Sydney hooked me up on this one, saying, my daughter, Sydney, talking about how, how, Swifties who don't know football really don't know football because one of them posted that, oh, they're they're not dating because Travis Kelsey and her didn't leave after the game together. And it's like, okay, that's people who don't know football. He has to go back with his team. He has to travel. It was an away game. He has to go back with his team. Well, Urban Meyer didn't do it last year. Well, that's true. That's true. And that that worked out well for him, didn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, famously. But no, Mike, it's a good question. I do think, I will say, uh, as a woman who has been a football fan for my entire life, some of the coverage has been very patronizing and there's been a lot of talking down to a large swath of this fan community. And I think it's impossible to say that it's not because most of them are women or perceived to be women. I don't know exactly the the demographic makeup of Swifties, but that's probably fair to say. Um, And so it's been a little frustrating. There's also been so many people that are mad about the coverage and especially NBC leaning all the way into it on Sunday night. Um, that to me is just funny. Like it's hilarious to see people get so worked up and ex- upset about the fact that the NFL would want to capitalize on a huge superstar going to one of their games, uh, especially one that turned them down for the NFL yes. halftime show reportedly. Yes. So my, my main takeaway from all of this, I think is just that the NFL always wins because we're talking about the NFL in places that traditionally haven't been talking about the NFL. It's great marketing for them. I don't know if it's a real relationship or not. I kind of think it is. Last week I said I wasn't so sure about right, it, but right. I don't I don't think that there's anything like nefarious going on other than, you know, maybe maybe a little fling, little relationship. I agree. And regardless of all of it, it, it is great for the NFL. I, I am stunned, Jess, at the people who are mad about this. One thing I've learned is Mike Tirico is a Swifty. 
I, I, <laughs> hilarious. I, I love how we played into it to, to have a problem with, even though the NFL is the biggest league in the country by, without question, by far. Makes a ton of money. And, yeah. and for them to not embrace the newness, the new fans you can get, especially on, on the women's side of this, would be dumb. I mean, you ha you should lean into it. And for those, you know, I don't even want to say they're all old people like me. They're probably younger people, even like you, that are huge yeah. NFL fans that have yeah. a problem with it, man. Get over it. Get over I mean, it. this is a chance yeah. to pull in even more people, new, you know, new people in here that will love the NFL until they're no longer dating and then they'll hate the NFL and that's fine. You know, there's, there's nothing. I hate the stuff. NFL right now too. Well, as, as well you should, and we are going to get to that <laughs> last one I have on, on this and, and who knows I'm with you. Cause I don't know where this relationship's going to go. She goes back on tour overseas, uh, like in early November. So she mm -hmm. has a little bit of time now. The next question, is she going to go to Minnesota where the next game is? And, who knows? I hope these crazy young kids have a great time for a while. <laughs> Where it goes, I have no idea. Uh, but luckily for the for the Jets, maybe it took uh, the, the onus off of them. Though they played pretty well yeah. in that game. They started out getting smoked, but then they, they came back and they played pretty well in that one. So uh, Zach Wilson, for all the people saying Zach Wilson is is this or is that, he had a pretty good game, you know. Is he going to be the? He had a really, Mike. Yeah. He had a really good game, he, he, especially he, like even just not for Zach Wilson, just like in a vacuum. He actually God. threw the ball better than, than Patrick Mahomes in this game, yeah. and then and then of course there are those. Oh, Mahomes and and Kelsey are distracted by all the Taylor Swift stuff. Oh my just, God! Like we're doing the just, the Jessica Simpson thing let, all yeah, over let, let's again. Just, let's just stop with that. But, but Zach had a nice game. Uh, took the loss on his shoulders, what he said when he fumbled the snap. But they certainly looked better uh, than than I thought they were going to look. So I don't think at the quarter pole here, I don't think they're going to be what we would consider the worst team in the league at this point. I think based off that game, they looked pretty good. So here we are. And again, it's not a complete quarter pole because the NFL went to 17 games and four is not right. a complete. But we, we all understand we're at the quarter pole. So in your mind, who is the worst team in the NFL at the quarter pole? I think there's a handful of really bad teams, but I do think the Chicago Bears organizationally are in such a bad place that it's hard to put anyone behind them. There are three head coaches at this very moment that I could see getting fired before we get to, what would you call it, the half pole? Yeah, I, the halfway yeah. point. The halfway point. <laughs> I'm just messing with yeah. you. Um, and and Matt Eberflus is, or Eberflus is certainly yep. one of them. But I, I just don't think that the other really bad teams have as many existential questions as the Bears organization do. Uh, especially considering they did get a lot of preseason hype. I think Bears fans were really excited to see if Justin Fields could, you know, take the next step in the NFL. And right now, after blowing this game to the Broncos with some really inexplicable game management decisions in the fourth quarter, um, defensive collapse, offensive collapse, just all around collapse, not to mention what we talked about last week with the defensive coordinator being let go yeah. for workplace issues that we still aren't sure what that was. Um, it's just like, I hope that whoever 
is the Bears quarterback that they inevitably draft next year, whether it's Caleb Williams or someone else. I hope that they decide no, and they pull an Eli Manning. No, <laughs> I don't want to go there. The Bears have such a bad track record with quarterbacks. I just would feel bad for, for whoever that person is. And that's that's a hard thing to, to say, to admit, Mike. Like, there just is very little hope. There, there really is. And going into the season, I think a lot of people thought the Cardinals had the worst roster in the league. They're proving it now. They're one and three, but they're proving to be a tough out. They're playing yeah. teams well. And then people Hard thought, to tank. especially with Kyler Murray <laughs> being out and Josh Jobs in there, who you know had trouble finding a jersey to get to send to somebody because they didn't have it in the pro shop, uh, his jersey. But they're, they're a tough Bob. out right now. Kyler Murray going to remain uh, uh, not playing. He was on the pup list, so he had to miss the first four. He's going to miss more than that. So mm-hmm. you got to wonder, uh, wonder, I think they're going to be looking for a quarterback, but that's a different situation because they paid Kyler Murray. So that's yeah. going to be more of complicated to twist in and out of that one, where in Chicago, Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, the GM, you know what they don't have? They don't have any affiliation with Justin Fields. They didn't pick mm-hmm. him. So right. unlike... That is a that is an interesting point though too organizationally because they let their previous GM pick two quarterbacks and then fired him and that's usually when you clear house like that yep. you don't and you you think you might let someone go or you're not sure about someone you don't let them draft a quarterback with you know your highest pick the following year so I think that's another reason that Bears fans are really frustrated. Yeah, and I was situation. on the I was on the, the the bandwagon of keeping Justin Fields. I thought he was. I like Justin Fields. I, I thought yeah. he was right, and and but by no means is he the only problem on that team. He, no. he struggles at times, but they, <laughs> they, there's a lot of people on the struggle bus on that yeah. team, both on and off the field. So what's interesting is you look at like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch out in San Francisco. That's more tough for decision makers to deal with when you make a move like they made for Trey Lance and it didn't hit right Mm -hmm. that it's always difficult to say we were wrong and they had to admit that and they traded Trey Lance away now what softens that blow is they made a ton of right moves to where they're the best team in the NFL I think we will get to that yes I think they're the best team we have to have the the deepest um offense defense lineup in Chicago like I said they didn't bring in Justin Fields so it w- and he's on a rookie contract, so money's not going to be the issue if mm-hmm. that's where they want to move on. Now, again, they they have way more problems than just Justin Fields, and it's going to be up to Eberflus and Luke Getze to decide, is Justin Fields worth working with? I, I don't think they have – Getze and Fields are working well together, just like I don't think Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett are working well together. Um, and and I, I don't believe because – Fields is not their guy that they're going to say, yeah, let's keep going with this. I think this is a one-year experiment with it, and it's not going well for the entire team. But I have a feeling if they're in that position that they're, they're going to go ahead and grab a quarterback. Especially right now after beating or after losing to the Broncos, they have the top picks in the 2024 draft. So, it, yeah, it would be hard to imagine that they wouldn't take a quarterback. Uh, as it stands now, obviously, you know, maybe things change there that would be hard to uh imagine and 
to me, I, I didn't really grow up a Bears fan, but I grew up around a lot of Bears fans. I think the more important thing is like they've completely lost the fan base, like lost the plot. No one is happy right now. There's also, like I said, existential questions about if the Bears are going to leave Soldier Field and move to Arlington Heights and if the fan base right. is going to be happy or, you know, upset about that. And then what happens to Soldier Field? And uh, there's just so many question marks there. And I think it's just another year in a long line of really disappointing seasons uh, for the Bears. So like I mentioned, there are two other head coaches that I think are solidly on the hot seat. One one of them won this weekend, Brandon Staley, Mike. Well, uh, I don't <laughs> I don't know if they, they won in spite of him or if Josh McDaniels is just it was a it was a. Both of those coaches, to me, I would be surprised to see them back so, next year. So I have a question to ask you. If if, jo if and when Josh McDaniels, because every coach eventually ends up losing their job, except I guess if you're Mike Tomlin or John Harbaugh. Yeah, Bill, Bill Belichick. No, I'm sorry, Bill Belichick, a, Andy yeah. Reid, although Andy <laughs> Reid did lose his job in Philadelphia. Right. I don't think, I think this is Josh McDaniels' last stop as a head coach. He failed in Denver outside of a little bit of the Tebow magic that went on for a short time. And if things continue to not go well here, if he's ever relieved of his duties, whether during the year, at the end of the year, or in five years, who knows? Uh, I, I I don't think he's going to get another shot at being a head coach. So here's what I want to ask you about Brandon Staley. So Mike and I had this discussion. You guys are in the analytics era, right? Mm -hmm. Way mm -hmm. more analytics at a front. And I get it. And listen, analytics have been around for a long time. Analytics were around when I was playing. There's just more of it now. So... I'll, I'll, Mike and I had this discussion. The two times Brandon Staley went for it on fourth and one th this past weekend and the weekend before, they didn't make it and their defense bailed them out. Right. But I'll say this. Did the analytics say do it? And if they did, then do you blame him for doing it? The, 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 the equalizer I say here is at a blackjack table. If, if you have 16 and the dealer is showing seven or higher, I hit every time. Every time, no matter what, if the dealer has what would be considered a winning hand and I have a 16, I'll hit. Others won't hit. And all I ever say is because sometimes people will say, oh, I see you hit on 16. And they'll say, I, I don't hit on 16. I'm like, that's fine as long as you do it consistently. Do it right. every time because right. basically you're, th you're thinking Eventually you over have the to long get run, one. it's going to yes. win. So do we bra blame Brandon Staley for making these fourth and one calls if by analytics of today that 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 is supposedly the right move i blame him more for being in the situation against worse teams every single week where it comes down to them having to convert a fourth down in their own territory to ice the game because the chargers have had weird end of game management problems for longer than brandon staley's been there like this this organization has not played a normal uh, fourth quarter, probably ever. It's like them and the Seahawks, there's always end of game shenanigans going on. So it's more frustrating to see them not be able, with Justin Herbert, who is an outstanding quarterback, not be able to figure it out on defense, not be able to have a lead where it doesn't come down to needing to do this time and time again, then it is actually making the decision. Because I think analytically speaking, it's the right decision right. to go for it and be aggressive on fourth down. And I like that. I actually think that that I talked about it a lot uh, on some of the other shows that I'm on with Marcus Friedman this season. And 
Notre Dame's, you know, decision-making because defensive minded head coaches tend to be more conservative. Right, right. Whereas you want to have the ball and control what, you know, what you can do with it versus punting and giving it away. Right. At the end of the Duke Notre Dame game, we saw Mike Elko, another defensive minded head coach, punt the ball yeah. on fourth and sixth and give Notre Dame the ball back. Notre Dame came back, marched down the field, 95 yard drive, won the game. So like, you don't want to be the head coach that gives it away and like leaves it all up to, you know, their defense and you want them to make a first down. Like I, I agree with all of that, but I think it's more frustrating that like they're constantly in this position and they don't have a fourth down play yeah. that they know right. will work. Like Philadelphia's figured it out, right? They have a 100% chance of converting in situations like this now with the tush push. And we saw the Giants try to do it yep. last night and, and they failed. It's not, a, you know, not every team can do that exact play, but you have, if you're going to be doing this and you're going to be leaving it to your offense to convert one of these fourth downs, time and time again, have a play that works, but don't let it get into that situation That's a good every point. single game. That's a good point. Uh, I, so consistent in calling the fourth one, fourth and one. And also the players understand that. And I think that's a key thing where they know you're going to be going for it and don't have a problem with it. But getting yourself in that position, I understand. And by the way, I think now it's called the brotherly shove. The brotherly shove. Brotherly yes, shove. you're right. And for anybody that thought, will the NFL take that away? The answer is absolutely not because – why should they? It's good for because it's a horrible play for a oh, defense. I mean, God, aiding a runner. That's a joke. That's ridiculous. But other teams, I'm just saying that because I'm a former D lineman. I know. Um, <laughs> other teams can't do it. They try and line up and do it, and they can't do it. Uh, but the Eagles are so good at it. Before we grab yeah. quickly to the other side, and I think we're going to agree on it, a couple of other bad notes. The Giants could be there at the bottom uh, as well, losing on Monday Night Football to Seattle. Jess, in their two home games, and I called the first game when they lost 40 to nothing to Dallas. Their two home games, Dallas and Seattle, they've been outscored 64 to three. Daniel, or, or they have given up 18 sacks and six turnovers. It's been brutal what's gone on. And to, to add insult to injury to the two New York teams, yeah. both the Jets and the Giants, they're the only teams in the NFL to not run one offensive play this year with the lead. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, wait a minute, they each have a win. Yes, they do. One, <laughs> one was a, 19, a, a field goal with 19 seconds ago to put the, uh, uh, the, them in the lead, that it wasn't an offensive play. And the other was a punt return by the Jets in overtime uh, yeah. for, for the win. So they, neither team has run one offensive play with the lead. That is brutally bad. Brutally yeah. bad. New York sports, uh, the, the Giants are terrible. The Jets are terrible. The Yankees and the Mets eliminated from the postseason. First, but first and third uh, <laughs> uh, payrolls, too. And they're right. Yeah. But, but in their defense, the Liberty are going to be playing for the WNBA finals against the Las Vegas Aces starting next weekend. So at least they have one team in New York that can score. We, and we are going to get into that because they, they finally have gone to super teams in the WNBA and you got both of them in the finals really quickly on the other side, before we jump to college, best team, do you agree San Francisco right now? Or do you have, you have, the no, Eagles? I like, I, I think, I think I saw the best team versus maybe the second worst team in week one when the Niners played the Steelers because <laughs> 
the Niners are really good. Yeah. And that's why that's why their entire organization gets the benefit of the doubt on the Trey Lance thing yes. like you were talking about. Yes. Because guess what? They still have a really good team. It's they exactly screwed right. it up. They screwed it up. They fixed their mistake uh, before it cost them a ton of games. And now they're the best team in the NFL. Maybe the Eagles are like one, it's like a 1A, 1B situation, but they're both looking really good. It would be interesting if they, now they, they hit in a lot of spots, but it would have been interesting had they not hit on a seventh round quarterback in Brock Purdy, <laughs> right? Nobody expected that. No. But that's what you get. And, uh, and, and they're, uh, they're obviously, it's obviously paying dividends for them. So, that's where we are in the NFL, the quarter poll, and all caught up on Taylor Swift uh, as Love well. Let's jump, let's jump to the college side next. All right, Jess, on the, the college side of this, for those that may not know still. There's a fly flying around that, my head right now. Do you see that? I, I, I don't see it. I see you being like it's interrupted like, it's by like something. It's like the size of my big toe why doesn't, right, your, it's gone right why now. doesn't your dog I, attack and get it that's do you see this uh-huh. did you see that I, I did see that actually it's been in my house for like three days no one can kill it including my dog i wish she would anyways last i checked though they don't bite maybe so i you're smell bad okay well that could be that could be a personal <laughs> problem with you Jeff, okay? um and another thing that we almost had to deal with as notre dame grads mm. is holy smokes after the tough ohio state loss we knew this was going to be a tough game. Duke has been playing very well. Mike Elko doing a fantastic job uh, with Duke. He was the ACC coach of the last year, his first year with the team, and then he was undefeated and ranked going into this one. This one got a little scary, Jess. We had the lead in so this one, scary. felt pretty good about it. And then, man, in the second half, their quarterback, Riley Leonard, really took control, and their defense really started controlling our offensive line. Yeah. Wow. It was an incredible college football game. I, the first half, Riley Leonard looked like he was so frustrated and would rather be anywhere else. But then two drives in the second half put him back in the lead and Notre Dame had to, um, like I said earlier, they had to go down the field, 95 yard drive. Sam Hartman converted a fourth and 16 on his feet, yeah. ran for 17 yards. Uh, I'm curious what your, what your thoughts were on. So Duke rushed three on the fourth and 16 play after they've been putting pressure on uh, Hartman for most of that drive. Now my dog is, do you see my dog looking at this fly? Yeah. It's, the dog needs crazy. to get the fly. The dog this needs to get crazy. the fly. This is crazy. Okay. Anyways, um, people are really mad at Mike Elko for not, you know, and asking him after the game, should you put more pressure? Should you have blitzed, et cetera? Uh, curious what you thought about that. It was, it was the moment of the game, the fourth and 16 conversion. I am always one Jess that does not like a three man rush, but I can see the argument for it. Right. Um, they were getting to Hartman. That, that, that's yeah. why I probably would have had a normal rush or sent an extra rusher because they were getting to Sam and he did not have a lot of time. So to force him to get rid of the ball on a fourth and 16, you knew it would probably have to be a shorter pass if you got quicker pressure, which a lot of the times you had been doing. But what happens in a three-man drop is normally a three-man, a, th- a three-man rush, I should say, is, is you're playing zone behind it and you're playing the sticks, right? You're saying, let them catch anything short, and we make the tackle in front of the sticks, and it's our ball. That's that's kind of the safe approach. But I understand it. Now you have eight back, eight back, and just kind of looking around and, and watching for crossers, watching. You got people deep watching for deep routes. Mitchell 11s, yeah. So, the, you know, one of the a lot of times when you see a quarterback run for a lot of yards, it's a lot of times because they're playing man. A man coverage, and now in man coverage, the defenders a lot of times have their backs turned because they're running with the receiver that they're covering, and the quarterback has a lot of space to run. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have it in a situation that zone. You would have guys more looking at the quarterback because right. they're in zone coverage. So I was surprised once he decided to run because he did not want to run. I mean, mm-hmm. he was hanging around the line of scrimmage looking downfield because he is not going to kill you with his legs. He's going to beat you with his arm and his smarts. And once he took off, I thought, oh, no, he waited too long. The defense yeah. is going to suck up on him and be there. And then I saw him get about 10, 12 yards of it, and I thought, he's going to make it because his momentum is going further enough, or he's just going to dive and get past it. So not a fan of the three-man rush, but I understand it. They just played it horribly. I mean, you got to play the sticks, and they were were just beyond them, which, which blows my mind. I thought Hartman did a good job of of not – I mean, I, I don't think he wanted to run, no. but he definitely held on to it long enough that the defense didn't start, like, cheating forward yep. towards him. Yep. So they were behind the first down they mark. Were. And still after that, like, they were not uh, – I, I don't think they were in field goal range yet, or they maybe had just gotten to field goal range. They were, like, inside the 40, I want to say. I could be wrong about that. But regardless, like the drive wasn't over. The, the next play was the Audric Estime. Yeah, they spiked it, and then Audric Estime had the 30-yard run, uh, which pretty much ended effectively ended the game. But um, I did want to also ask you as a defensive player about the targeting call on Jordan Bethello right. because I haven't seen a targeting call on a, a defensive player using the crown of his helmet to tackle a player in the leg before usually you see it when it's helmet to helmet or like upper body. And I know technically like that is the, you know, forcible contact. I get it, but doesn't, isn't this something that happens a lot? Yeah. This, this, this I thought, I thought was horrible. So if you want to go by the letter, by the absolute letter, then that's the rule. Right. So for people to understand, he was not a defenseless runner. Okay. He was running the Mm -hmm. ball, running the ball. So he's not defenseless, but if you use the crown of your head at any time against defenseless, not defenseless, anybody, you can be tossed out of the game. And it doesn't even have to be in the head area. If you hit the crown, the top of your helmet at any time, you can get tossed for it. If a player is defenseless, wide receiver, quarterback looking to throw the ball, wide receiver mm-hmm. catching the ball or going to catch the ball. If you hit them with any if you hit them in the neck or head with any part of your body, shoulder, forearm, head, face mask, anything, you can get ejected for targeting because it's a defenseless person. So this one wasn't defenseless, but it was a crown of the helmet, but it was on the guy's hip. I, I blew my mind. Cannot just, believe. I mean, it, it, it happens it, you go to, a lot in a game. Yes, you right? go to replay yes. and you watch this and you say, I, you you got to look at intent as well. I think so. But they literally went by the letter of the law on that one and, and, and tossed it. Oh, I thought it was a horrible. Now, it bothered Newt's me. Newt's got to miss know, the first half of this game. This yeah, it's, game. well, that's also horror. I, I thought it was a horror. I hate the rule. I hate the ejection rule anyway, uh, let same. alone, you know, g- giving I'm 15 glad we yards. Yeah, I, I thought it was a horrific call. But by the letter of the call, if they felt he hit with the crown of his helmet, then then right. they, they can they can do exactly what they did. But uh, Notre Dame gets out with the win. Now they have another ranked opponent in Louisville this weekend, another night game, and then the following week, it'll be a ranked and probably undefeated USC team yeah. again at night. They will have faced just four if USC stays undefeated, which I believe they will. I, I didn't see who they were playing this, uh, this I think, week. Uh, Arizona? So I, I think everybody expects them to stay undefeated as they try and find that USC. Yeah, they play Arizona. So I would expect them to stay undefeated. 
Notre Dame would play four from Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC, four undefeated teams, four ranked teams, and four games at night all in a row. That would be, that's one hell of a stretch coming up for them. Yeah, uh, and I do want to shout out Notre Dame's uh, media team and their their football. Uh, if you go to their ND football handle on Instagram or Twitter, they posted a recap yeah, video using the good. coach's headset yeah. audio. I don't think I've ever seen that no. before, and from any any team anywhere. Usually, that I think that audio gets like burned after the game. <laughs> but I'm with you. Uh, I thought it was great. Thought it was great. It was awesome. A, a, a profound lack of. Uh, profanities which which tells you you know they, they probably had to edit, edit some things bit, yeah. out of that final drive but it was a, it's an awesome video to your People should point, check that out to your point about a defensive coach and his thought process after sam hartman ran for that first down you heard in the headsets yeah. do you want to throw it or run it right and they were at yeah uh, uh, parker and, the, the OC, said, and, and, and he did he was like okay we're going to probably play it safe here, hand it off yep. in field goal range, kick a field get, goal to win the it, game. like get it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So that was kind of the safe approach and Estime, Audric Estime breaks it and runs for the touchdown. So worked out pretty I, well. I, I think Marcus Freeman is a, is a brilliant coach, but I do think Audric Estime bailed him out yes. a little bit there yeah. because yeah. I did not have a ton of faith in Notre Dame's kicker to make that kick. Missed one earlier in the game. He's got a huge leg, but like, he was like maybe four two, for nine, maybe, Jess. Maybe I too think, huge of a leg. Yeah, like. <laughs> I, I think he's four for nine. Both these kickers missed. The Duke kicker missed twice. Yeah. Our guy missed once. So, yeah, I I wasn't I would have been about, really like, nervous. Yeah, about putting it on someone's leg right there. So, but shout out to Audric Estime. Uh, yep. Don't have to worry. Don't have to think about the, the hypotheticals because he just took it to the house and they Agreed. won the game. But t- terrible way to lose if you're Duke. And I empathize because it's kind of how Notre Dame lost to Ohio State minus the 10 men on the field situation that we talked about last week. But like getting your your heart ripped out, uh, not a great feeling on the final drive of a game. But I think I think Duke will be fine. I know Riley Leonard, uh, his injury that he got in the last play doesn't look to be season ending. Um, they've got a lot of tough ACC opponents yeah. coming up. But that's the re- problem, though. Re- Jess. Their defense was really good, Mike. That's the problem and, and the shame that Riley Leonard, their quarterback, got hurt at the end of the game because, remember, Notre Dame's rest of their uh, schools or rest of their athletic programs are in the ACC. Football is not. So that was not an ACC loss. They haven't – they don't they're, – they're still good in the ACC. Yeah, they beat Clemson. But they're not yeah. going to have Riley Leonard for a few weeks, so that's going to yeah. crush them. So that's a shame for them uh, that they lost him because he really was uh, – he, he was all everything uh, for them. You, you look at the week – of college football. Georgia has not been looking great. No. They get by Auburn thanks to Brock Bowers. They're all everything tight so end. So good. Yeah. They have Kentucky this weekend. This is a game my son Mike's calling in Athens. Kentucky gets a big win over Florida. Kentucky is undefeated. Kentucky is ranked. I'm wondering what kind of game Kentucky may give Georgia because I think, Jess, we're kind of looking at the top level here of the top teams of Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State as really good teams, but no one where you go, okay, that team, I mean, it is going to take everything in the world to beat them. I don't think we have that right now this year. Well, I think, so Kentucky's whole game against Florida was the, the ground game, right? Like Ray Davis had three touchdowns, 280 yards for Kentucky. So like if you're Georgia and you can temper the run like you're, and make Kentucky have to throw the ball a lot, 
I don't know. I'm very intrigued by this game. Don't get me wrong. Because like you said, Georgia has not been dominant this year. Like they were, you know, they still have a 22 game win streak, but I'm intrigued by it. But you know, that is Kentucky's game. That is what they, that is how they dismantled Florida and made embarrassed Florida. Honestly, the entire game, just running the ball down their throats. Um, when it comes to Michigan, it's impossible to say how no good Michigan is because their schedule has been so easy. Yep. And it's they're not going to have to play a top team until like November, I think, when they play Penn State. Yeah. And then they have Ohio State, obviously. And then if they win those, they'll they'll play in the Big Ten Championship. So the, the, t- the back end of their schedule will get tougher, right. sure. But it's impossible to really say like, oh, like they've been – they're tried and tested. Like a lot of the other teams, like Ohio State, you can say they survived the Notre right. Dame game. You know, they ha- that's a top 10 win for them. You definitely feel better about them than you did the first four games when they were beating Indiana and Western Kentucky. Yeah. But, like, Michigan just – like, they can't keep getting away with this, Mike. I I am just dumbfounded by the scheduling it, here, it, the non-conference it is. scheduling. It is. I mean, it, so you're right. Until they play, they go Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State in those three games uh, that they have. So we're not sure about them. Texas are we sure about? They're undefeated. They have Oklahoma. The Red River shootout, which goes away from the Big 12 and goes to the SEC uh, after this team with both these teams leaving. I'm really intrigued by this this Texas. I mean, they're both good teams, and and Texas has the the win on the road against Alabama that absolutely sets them apart. Nobody just like we thought Georgia the last two years. Like, it's going to take a Herculean effort to beat a Georgia team. I don't have that feeling of anybody – this year, Texas, Ohio State, we, you know, Notre Dame and them had a great game. Florida State, I'm like, my God. I mean, just squeaking by in some of the games. Yeah. Squeaking. Penn State was losing to Northwestern for a bit before they took care of business. Washington yeah, intrigues me, though, with Penix Jr., the quarterback. Oregon intrigues me. And these Pac-12 teams are going to start beating each other up when they start facing one another. That, to me, is going to be real interesting. But I wish – this was a year I kind of wish – we are at the 12 team because oh, I think definitely. there's a number of teams that could win the title where it's not just the normal two or three at the top and hope somebody can beat them. I, I, I think it can be a little more open this year. I kind of agree. And I kind of disagree. I agree in that. Like I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I was coming into the season that Georgia is going to blow everyone away and, and win every single game. Like I was last year. Um, they, I could see them stumbling a little bit, especially after this Auburn game where they were really, really challenged until, you know, the last drive of the game. But I will say, I think like the next three weeks are the most important weeks in college football. Now that you have more, uh, not more in conference games, like Oregon, for example, they've been scoring a billion points, 81 points. 38 points, 55 points, 44 yep. points, 44 points. Now they play three ranked Pac-12 teams in a row. They're playing Washington oh. uh, next weekend after their bye week. So, like, these next three weeks, I think, really determine a lot in terms of who actually stands out. I think this last weekend, I probably would have told you, yeah, USC's offense looks unstoppable and they're really good. They let Colorado come back into that game and had to survive a, an onside kick attempt to win uh, despite having, I think, a three-touchdown lead at one point. So I'm really concerned about their defense. It's going to be interesting when they play uh, Notre Dame in a couple weeks, how they stack up against Notre Dame. But these, I think every season is the same thing. We're like, I don't know, like a couple teams shaky, this and that. It's college football. Yep. There's no preseason. You do tend to see mistakes, more mistakes earlier in the year until teams kind of really put it together or don't and then play the rest of their you know conference schedules. And then that's when you can tell, okay, 
Georgia is legit or Michigan is legit. Ohio State is legit. So I, I'm I'm very intrigued by the next couple of weeks here. 17 undefeated teams in the AP top 25. Um, the first nine are all undefeated, going one to nine. The first one loss team showing up is Notre Dame at 10. So I'm with you. The next few weeks, and especially we look at the Pac-12, which beats each other up usually by – we all keep thinking there's one or yeah. two teams, and then all of a sudden they end up with Utah, one or two Utah losses. already lost. They yeah, did. Utah already lost this weekend. Already did their not Utah. looking great without yeah, Cam yeah. Rising. Yeah. yeah, without Cam Rising. It's exactly right. So we'll see. It's getting very exciting. I think it's more open than, than it's been in a while, but time will tell on that. Coming up next, we have the start of one season, the, the uh, kind of the introductory press conferences, and we have two super teams – matched up ready to go we talk about that next all right jess let's talk uh, pro basketball start quickly in the nba as the teams are getting together doing their introductory press conferences Nikolai Jokic, i thought was pretty pretty interesting that he had no idea who deon sanders was he was in <laughs> serbia all off season Couple, uh, jamal murray and some of the other teammates were talking about or the other guys that were talking about going to a colorado game then they asked Nikolai about it and about Deion Sanders and he's just like nope <laughs> he, nope. he had no I, idea this kind of brings us back to the Taylor Swift conversation like it's so easy to tune out things that you don't pay attention to I mean even though you know he plays in Colorado obviously which is I assume why they're asking him about yes. it um not everyone is in the same like little bubbles as, as exactly as sports yeah. fans. especially like NBA athletes not surprised he doesn't know anything about without a doubt a a guy who played for the Cowboys like 20 years ago. Plus, plus he's a guy who lives lives out of the country in the offseason. Yeah, he's in Serbia right. with his family and his <laughs> horses. So he has he has no idea about it. Uh, between that and then obviously when is James Harden going to show up and uh, how is he going to screw up the 76ers this year? We got plenty. Jimmy, I thought Jimmy Butler had a had a great bit at Heat Media Day with his Not going to lie. Never hair. never heard of emo genre of music in my life. Never. You're you're missing out uh, on being a teen in 2009. Yes, Let yes. Me tell you that I much. wish I was a teen in 2009 <laughs> rather than being 60. Jess, okay. Uh, just talk to Gojo about oh, it. Oh, oh, I did, and I was I was properly put in my place. Believe, and I deserved it. <laughs> I deserved it. But I love the way he comes out and does his thing at the beginning of the season. But Jess, let's touch on now what's going on. We're in the WNBA finals, and there are two super teams. It's kind of like the NBA. The WNBA did it with the Liberty and the Aces. And you want it to come to fruition, and it did with the two best teams, one with the best player, Brianna Stewart, winning another uh, WNBA uh, MVP award. And the fact that the thing that blows my mind is they played five times this year, four times in the regular season, one time in the Commissioner Cup final. Home team won each time in those four they played in the regular season, and they were blowouts. I think the average win was like 19 points. It's like I can't get a handle on what I think the series is going to be. <laughs> I, I need someone more uh, more of a like basketball X's and O's person to to tell me that as well, Mike. But I will say, I from a narrative perspective, this is the matchup that I think the season has been building towards all year. Like you said, both teams making huge offseason moves. Brianna Stewart going to Liberty in free agency. She's obviously from like New York and played in Connecticut. So kind of her going back home in, in a sense. Um, and then the Aces getting Candace Parker, who got hurt right. earlier this summer. So she will not be playing. But um, like you said, Brianna Stewart, MVP, John Cole Jones on the Liberty, former MVP, Asia Wilson on the Aces, MVP. Like it's just a, both teams are absolutely 
stacked. This is also the first time that two former WNBA players are head coaches right. playing against each other in the finals, which I think is really cool. Um, and Vegas, of course, is trying to repeat. They won it last year against the Sun in the finals. And the Liberty haven't played in a final, I think, since like 2002 Becky or Hammond like was that. on the team. Becky Hammond was on yeah. the Liberty. She was a guard. So it's, been, it's been a while. Um, and, you know, like you said, they both played in the regular season. They played in the Commissioner's Cup final, uh, which the Liberty won, uh, which is like an in-season tournament. Um, that's pretty fun. So I'm I'm excited for it. I don't know what to expect either, but I do know, like, if, if you're a fan of basketball or, or just, like, great games, the finals last year were – unbelievably fun and i am fully expecting this like it's going to be a, every game i think will be a great game it's going to be really fun to watch and i'm very excited i mean for to it. the matchup last two mvps right brianna stewart and asia wilson i mean yep. uh, just i i don't know what to expect here i i, I really don't be, again because you had blowouts in the regular season and it's the best and the home teams won and remember, the Aces have home court because they're, they're the number one seed. So this starts mm -hmm. out in Vegas. So that's certainly. Um, I think I'm rooting for. I think I'm rooting for the Aces because of Jackie Young, but also right. like, I, I guess I lived in New York for six years, and New York kind of needs one right now. So maybe I'll root for the. I don't know, Mike. I don't know. I, I I just hope everyone has fun. See, this is one of those. I don't have a dog in the race, so I'm just going to hope for. I, I'm going to hope it goes all five. Quite honestly, yeah. And I hope they're not blowouts. Me too. I hope they're really good games. That. That's what I ho always hope for in sports that have series in them. You know, hockey, baseball, mm -hmm. basketball is you get a good series. You, you know you're going to get a blowout here and there. Um, and there's so many stars on this team. The other thing that's always cool to me, Jess, in series championships is that person that you don't know as well that steps up and steps out. You know, yeah. you expect the stars to carry, but there's always that person who you didn't really know and you're like, wow that person really contributed in this series or in this game. And that can be the difference sometimes. I don't even know like who that could be though in this, because I think like all of the players are, so are so I know. freaking good. <laughs> and like a lot of them have won championships before. So that's, I, I don't know. Like I I'm just excited. It's going to be fun. If, uh, if you were to make the perfect, bake the perfect pastry mm, for this series, what would it be? I feel like it has to be orange, like a basketball. Maybe like a pumpkin then, like, like a, a pumpkin, a pumpkin pie. Yeah. And I get one of those stencils and it's a stencil of the WNBA logo, like with the, you know, Diana Taurasi, like with the ball. Yeah. And then I put the stencil on the pie and then I put like powered sugar over oh. it and then I make it into the logo. Mike, I might have to do, do that. that. You, have a, I, I, you, have you know why I loved it? Cause you didn't mention any fruit at all going on. I it. mean, pumpkin, I guess pumpkin's a squash. Yeah, it is, is that, a squash. And then vegetable. whipped cream on the top, obviously, right? Sure. I, I put cream. enough whipped cream on a piece of my pumpkin pie to where you do not see the piece of pumpkin pie. That's too much whipped cream. No, it's not. I think. No, it's not. I had, I had pumpkin pie for breakfast last week. Um, I don't know how Mel Kuyper I was going to say. I, I felt I terrible. Did you really? <laughs> Way too much sugar. I could do that. Mel Kuyper's my, my, leader for being able to eat pumpkin pie every day so all right you get on that take a picture of it before you start eating Swift. it and uh, next time we get together we will look at that pumpkin pie and see where we are in the all series right. i'll be looking on it